things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> them cowboys oh please shut the hell up already will you it's the stephen a smith show coming your way right now what's up everybody welcome to the latest edition of the stephen a smith show coming at you every monday wednesday and friday as i love to do right here in my studios my official studio sponsor of course is always FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Listen, I want to thank you again. I've eclipsed 300,000 subscribers on uh, YouTube and there's pretty much about six months. Thank you for the love and support. Keep it coming. If you'd like to continue to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube, feel free to do so. Just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content and be sure to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. By the way, the show is now live to tape, uh, but you can still call into the show and speak to me live. Just dial 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. It's live to tape because every time it's literally live. The problem with that, there's always some kind of web issues or anything like that that might get in the way. And I wanted to make sure I eradicated that by any means necessary. So that's why I'm doing it, usually taping the show an hour before it gets posted. Uh, so feel free to do just that. And I'll take your calls and I'll make sure it's included in the live show, live to tape show, that is. Look, <clears throat> we all know I'm no Cowboys fan. We know this. It's not a secret. But don't get it twisted. I loved primetime Deion Sanders when he was a cowboy. I loved Troy Aikman when he was a cowboy. I loved my man Michael Irvin, the playmaker, when he was a cowboy. Of course, I loved Emmitt Smith when he was a playmaker. The Nate Newtons of the world, the list goes on and on. I loved those guys. It was cool. There's no problem. I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I wasn't rooting against the Cowboys unless they were playing against one of my New York teams or the Steelers. But over the years... My disgust for the Dallas Cowboys have very little to do with the Cowboys themselves. It's that disgusting, nauseating fan base that gets on my last damn nerves. Y'all just make me sick. I'm not going to lie. I can't stand y'all asses. I just can't. And I mean that affectionately, believe it or not. It's all in fun. It's all, you know, yeah, you hate sports fans or you hate a particular team or whatever. I don't have no problem with Demarcus Lawrence. I don't have any problem. Micah Parsons is my dude. Trayvon Diggs is my dude. Stephon Gilmore is that dude. Okay. And I recognize, in fact, I ain't blind. I know that the Dallas Cowboys have arguably the best defense in football. I know that Michael Parsons and those boys are determined to prove they are indeed the best defense in football. But you see, this is the thing that annoys me. You've gone back to back. You've had back to back 12 and 5 seasons as a Dallas Cowboy. 
Y'all walk around acting like y'all Super Bowl champions. You know, you, 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 you stunk up the joint prior to that. Blowing division championships. You know, remember that year you went three straight years, eight and eight, three consecutive times and lost the last game of the regular season with a, with a division crown on the line and missed the playoffs three straight years? That's y'all. But each and every single year, Y'all walk around like y'all Super Bowl champions. No, we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? It don't matter if you go 3-13, and 3-14 and 14 in this day and age with 17 games. And the season ends January 5th, and it ends at 7 p.m. by 7.15. You know we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? Y'all make me sick. I can't stand y'all asses. I'm talking about Cowboy fans. I really, really can't. Y'all get on my last damn nerves because y'all always think y'all more special. And that's why I love that photo right there. That's why that's my favorite footage right there. When y'all lost last year to the 49ers in the playoffs, <laughs> that's me showing it on first take, but showing ESPN every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. Look at that sister right there. She looking at you. Y'all ain't worth shit. That, look, look at him crying like a wuss. Look at him. Look at him right there. Look at her. She's trying to hide it with a blue wig. Can't hide. Can't, this brother, that wasn't even his girl. That wasn't even his girl, okay? And that brother was right there. And he got busted by his girl, by the way, who said that wasn't me, and she dumped him, okay? And, of course, the rest of y'all were just crying. I love it. It's just hysterical to me every single year, and I'll never get rid of that footage. I will never get rid of that footage until y'all win the Super Bowl championship, which I don't think is going to be in the foreseeable future. Having said all of that, it's all predictable what your reaction was going to be in the aftermath of the Cowboys beating the New York Giants 40 to nothing last night at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Um, in case you didn't notice, the Giants' offense consists of Saquon Barkley and a bag of chips. They ain't worth much. And with Dallas' speed, their athleticism, their ability to get to the quarterback with, with a, a predator, a piranha, like Micah Parsons leading the way, what the hell did you expect? What the hell did you expect? Did you really want that? Really? Seven sacks, five forced fumbles, two interceptions, one blocked field goal, two touchdowns, zero points allowed. The defense was dominant because they were going against the Giants' offense that wasn't worth anything. Okay. But y'all want to act like y'all just want, you, you know, you, you're destined for the Super Bowl. I literally had to go on TV this morning and entertain questions about, did Dallas send a message? Are they the team to beat? Really? Really? We'll see. Because let me tell you something. I expect Dallas to win the share games. I expect them to go to the playoffs easily. Your defense is that elite. It's that big time. Y'all going to make noise. Y'all going to do your thing. I expect all of that. But trust you me, y'all. Trust you me. At some point, it's going to come down to Dak Prescott needing to make a play when it counts. And we both know what's going to happen then, don't we? We both know what's going to happen then. Y'all act like y'all don't know, but y'all know. Y'all know what's coming. Just be patient, y'all. To all the cowboy haters out there that's saying Stephen A, they look real good right now, man. They damn scary, man. I mean, damn, they got Tony Pollard and CD Lamb has emerged as a number one. And they picked up Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup is still there. And they even got some cats in the tight end spot right now that could do some things, man. Stephen A, I don't know. I don't know. And their defense, oh my God, Stephen A. Whatever. Just be patient. Just be patient. I don't want the Dallas Cowboys to suck in September. I'd rather them. Spread hope and cheers and elevate expectations. And then bam, come crashing down right around the time when the holiday season arrives. That's my wish. Now, this year would probably go a little bit longer than that. Y'all playing in January. You know what I'm saying? You might even win a playoff game. 
but you ain't going to no damn Super Bowl. Ain't going to no damn Super Bowl. You can book that. You can get that out the way right now. I'm telling you that right now. You can dream all you want to dream. Dream the impossible dream. It ain't going to matter. You ain't winning no damn Super Bowl. So let me get that clear. Now, there's a bevy of reasons as to why that is. The Philadelphia Eagles didn't look that great against the New England Patriots yesterday, but that's the team to be reckoned with. The 49ers trounced my Pittsburgh Steelers. It was very, very, very uncomfortable seeing the Steelers get punked like that. Kenny Pickett, I don't know what the hell is wrong with him. Pickens and, and Johnson, Deontay Johnson couldn't get open. Fryermuth, where were you? Najee Harris. I mean, San Francisco is real. They some real ones over there. Make no mistake about it. And I think they're a team to be reckoned with. There's no denying it. And right now, I would look at the San Francisco 49ers as arguably the favorite. But here's the thing. Dallas's defense to get to the quarterback, even to somebody like Brock Purdy, who's undefeated in six starts as an NFL quarterback, not to mention the fact that not only is he, not, is he undefeated, but in all six starts, he's thrown at least touch, two touchdown passes. This dude is special. You got to give special credit where credit is due. But here's my thing about Brock Purdy. He can run, but he's not a runner. And with the speed that San Francisco has available to you, you're a stationary target. I don't know about that. It makes me a little bit worried, I have to confess. So again, Dallas's defense is real. I'm not denying it. But remember something. No matter what you say, it's going to come down to Dak Prescott and whether or not he can deliver. Remember I said that. Let me move on to this next subject real quick right here. And that brings me to a team that should be considered the scariest team in the National Football League. And it is the Miami Dolphins. Because let me tell you something. Tyreek Hill is sensational. Ladies and gentlemen, right now we're having a discussion and maybe you can answer this question for me. Who's the scariest, the scariest wide receiver in NFL history? Some people would say Randy Moss. Tyreek Hill is in that conversation. This brother is cat quick. They don't call him cheater for nothing. He runs at about 24 miles an hour. He abuses corners. Did you see what he did to Jason Jackson and those boys in the Chargers secondary yesterday? 36-34 victors. Justin Herbert put up 42, uh, 32 points, or 34 points. Offensively, the Chargers did their job. Their defense couldn't contain Tyreek Hill. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. There's no way around it. And when you look at this brother and Jalen Waddle, who is spectacular in his own right, and Tua Tagovailoa, who's throwing him the football. Listen, Tua, when Tua is at the quarterback position and he's throwing Tyreek the football, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek averages 108 yards a game. Without Tua, the number dips to 75. You got to be able to throw the football. And Tua Tungvaloa can do that. So I think we got to remember that and we got to pay attention to it because as we sit here getting ready to prep for Monday Night Football between the Jets and the Buffalo Bills, we've been talking about whether or not the Bills or the Jets are going to win the AFC East division. But the reality is it may very well be the Miami Dolphins because how are you going to stop them? Getting Tua and hurting him, maybe that's an option. It's your only option, really. You can't stop Hill and Waddle. They're just too fast. They're just too fast. There's literally nothing you can do about it. Transitioning to another subject. Yesterday, I saw something very special occur on television. 
And it made me very, very, very happy. And that was the return of the playmaker himself, Michael Irvin. Now, those of you who don't remember the story, Michael Irvin was accused of either saying or doing something inappropriate after meeting a young lady. He's a black man. She was not. Talking to her in the lobby for 45 seconds. And that was all we saw on video. They never, he never left with her. She never left with him. They never went anywhere together. And on top of it all, please consider also that there was no audio. So nobody knew what he said to her either. And there were question marks as to whether or not Michael Irvin was going to ever be on TV again. Was his career, was his career going to be over? I can speak a bit more freely about it now because a lot of people have been asking about <clears throat> why isn't he back on first take then? Because he signed with FS1. Uh, because when the Disney had the cuts and, you know, he was evidently a part of that. And I was not happy about it. I'm still not happy about it. See, I didn't want Shannon Sharp and that was it. I wanted them both. I wanted Michael Irvin and Shannon Sharp. That's what I wanted. I wanted that one-two punch. I never anticipated that I would lose Michael Irvin, who is a dear friend and a brother to me. And I love him to death. And I never felt that what happened to him was fair. Y'all saw me on this podcast speaking about that, but I'm going to take it a step deeper. And I'm going to tell you what I said. You don't need to know to whom, but I said this to people in positions of power. I said, instead of speaking just about facts and instead of speaking just about our relationship, let me speak as a black man. And what I said to folks was, if this man can have his career tarnished over a video of him simply talking to someone in a hotel lobby that he did not touch, that he did not leave with, that we have no audio whatsoever of whatever he said to them. What does that say for the rest of us? And I think there comes a point in time where we have to start thinking about that in a myriad of ways when it comes to our society. We literally have to start saying, what about us? Or what if it were us? That's a better way of putting it. What if it were us? Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Irvin is a sensational television talent on the National Football League. But no matter what you want to think about him, get to know him, be around him. He's a sensational person. I love him like a brother. And, you know, when it comes to black folks, black brothers and sisters, they're my brothers and sisters. I'm not anti anything. I just know that when it comes to us, we need love and we need to feel that love from other people. And I'm, not, I'm very unapologetic about that, about expressing it. But in the case of Michael Irvin, it's so real and it's so much more close to home because I know him personally. And for him to be in this position based off of a pure accusation was very unfortunate. But for him to be sitting around contemplating whether or not he was going to have a career because of that obligation is as egregious as it gets. It's that Karen woman in, the central, in central Park 
sitting there talking about I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call the police and say your black man is bothering me. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what she said. We're living in the year 2023, and we, the fact that we still have to find ourselves concerned about this kind of BS is really alarming. So to see him yesterday on NFL Network's game day show, it was something special. It really, really was. He's allowed to continue his career. He's allowed to continue his life. But let that be a lesson to all of us. You never know who you're talking to. You never know who's taping your conversations. You never know what objective or agenda people find. You can't trust no damn body. You got to trust yourself to be as ethically and morally sound as you can possibly be and not put yourself in any kind of eye to storm. When you go out, surround yourself with the right people, people you trust that you know have your back. And make sure that you limit your company to those folks. Or if you got to be around other people, make sure they're around while you're around other folks. I'm that way. You see my bodyguard, you see my brother-in-law, you see my sister, you see my personal assistant, you see colleagues and contemporaries. You don't see me alone. Because I don't trust anybody. Because I understand how this world works. And all of you out there listening to me right now need to do the same. Michael Irvin's career could have easily been older, over. Now, ultimately, he settled. He filed a $100 million defamation lawsuit against Marriott. But ultimately, that's been set, you know, that's been settled, according to reports. He reaches a settlement and Marriott lawsuit returns to the NFL Network, according to the Dallas Morning News. This is a beautiful thing. Is a beautiful thing, but it, but just as beautiful was seeing Michael Irvin in Colorado this past weekend. I grabbed my man Shannon Sharp. We went to the game, Colorado versus Nebraska in Boulder, Colorado. Michael Irvin was there right on the sideline. It was great seeing him there. It was great hanging out there with my man Shannon Sharp. You can see the video right there. We both got off the private jets, you know. It's rare. I can't afford it all the time. Can't afford it all the time. But that one day I could. It was nice. Went to the game together, was hanging out, and Shannon was there. Michael Irvin was there. We all went there to see him prime. Amari Hardwick was there, actor from Power on Stars, a movie actor as well. Phenomenal person. You see me there with Coach Prime, who invited me and took care of me and had arrangements, had me sitting in the suite, me, Shannon, and everybody else. Chauncey Billups, the head coach with the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA, he was there. Cam Ron, who's got his own podcast doing big things, he was there. Um, it was good to see everybody. But you know something? We were all there for Prime. We weren't there for Colorado. We weren't even there for Shador Sanders. We were there for Primetime, Deion Sanders, the greatest cornerback in the history of the National Football League. All right. And I got to tell you something. It meant the world to him, but it meant the world to all of us to be there for him. And, you know, if you're wondering how it hits us and how we reach these conclusions, how we come to these conclusions of feeling the way that we feel about certain people. Let's just compartmentalize and talk about primetime Deion Sanders for a second. We're talking about a man that starred at Florida State 
But when interviewed a few weeks ago and they were talking about his alma mater, he said, that ain't my alma mater. I come from an HBCU. We know he coached at Jackson State. We know HBCUs is what ultimately assisted him in getting his degree. We know coaches at Alabama State and others all played a role in assisting him ultimately capturing, getting that degree and being able to coach football. HBCU's opened doors for primetime Deion Sanders. And I've been on the record saying he's given more than his share back in droves, actually, to HBCUs. You can't measure what he's done for HBCUs. But with all of that being said, even though that's clearly a reason to root for him, let's go a step further here. I want you to look at this sound. Look and listen to this footage. Ryan Clark, my brother, my colleague on ESPN's First Take, um, he's also he's he's also uh, hosting the new host of Inside the NFL. Uh, he's uh, on Monday Night NFL Countdown. He's obviously a contributor to Sports Center, Get Up, and other shows on ESPN. A phenomenal, phenomenal football analyst who also has his own podcast, a very popular podcast called The Pivot, with his boys Channing Tatum and Fred Taylor. Listen to this. It's just that Dion does it his way. It's not just that it's different. It's that for so long, if we wanted that job, we had to be like them. Being uniquely and authentically African-American, they don't want that. And it's not that they don't want it because they believe it's bad. They just don't know enough about it. You can't come up here dancing like Lou Young and win, right? You're not going to tell us what you're going to do and then do it. That's not what coaches do, but it's what Prime does. He ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. You're actually hiring Prime, right? That's not how it normally works. Like some dude who worked up from a GA and a quality control guy, he can't go act like Prime and coach, right? Because they're going to be ready to get him out of there. Ryan Clark's absolutely right. Except for one thing in my estimation, when he said that they don't understand. Folks who don't understand, that's not the problem with folks like Deion Sanders and other African-Americans who deserve these opportunities, is that they don't want to understand because they're comfortable communicating with the people that are like-minded, who look like them, who share their authenticity, their ethnicity, their culture, et cetera, et cetera. We know what time it is. And prime time is opening doors and it's making people very, very uncomfortable. By the way, I don't know why the hell I said Channing Tatum. I was just watching Magic Mike or something the other day or whatever, one of them damn movies. I was talking about Ryan Clark and Fred Taylor's co-host on The Pivot, Channing Crowder. My apologies. I appreciate y'all, my producers, looking out for me. I meant Channing Crowder. I apologize, Channing. But back to RC, that's what he's talking about. And so understand that with RC, he's making a point, but in reality, what it really, really comes down to is that it's not a lack of understanding. It's an unwillingness to understand because you don't want to ingratiate yourself with people. You don't want a part of your situation to begin with. And that's the battles that we have to overcome. But let me tell you what Prime is doing. Nobody's going to out-recruit Prime. And his football knowledge is not to be denied. And so if he can recruit, and he's talking about young men, talking about young men, Because that's the sound that I really wanted y'all to hear when he brought up, when he was talking on the pivot and he talked about why, what he's doing when he's coaching these young kids and what he's trying to accomplish. 
That's what it's really, really all about with primetime. And that's why any parent is going to be comfortable with sending their child there. Prime is going to win. Enjoy him while you can, Colorado. Because let me tell you something right now. If somebody was smart, particularly in the SEC, whether that would be Florida, whether that would be LSU or somebody, not to throw Brian Kelly out with the bathwater, but that was a bad loss to Florida State the other day. But the bottom line is, when you're going up against Nick Saban, when you're going up against Kirby Smart, you got to recruit. And that's what the hell Prime can do. Imagine if he becomes a part one, a part of one of those big-time programs. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Last but not least, let me get to this point. Congratulations to Coco Golf. 19-year-old tennis phenom wins the U.S. Open, wins her first ever Grand Slam title. Losing 6-2 in the first set, she came back, you know, over Arena Sabalenka during, um, you know, basically during the tennis tournament, made her the third youngest American to ever win the title, joining the likes of legendary players Serena Williams, of course, and Tracy Austin. Um, she's currently ranked third in women's tennis in the world. First rose to fame after beating her idol Venus Williams at Wimbledon in 2019 and later on four-time Grand Slam winner Naomi Osaka. So she's got victories over Serena Williams. I'm sorry, sorry, Venus Williams. All right? And Naomi Osaka in her career. She's already made millions. She took home $8 million in prize money this year. Um, she's the future. And she's the future not just because of her, but because of her parents. Her dad took some heat, you know, like she pointed to, sitting in the audience and stuff like that. People felt like he was, he was applying too much pressure and all of this other stuff. So she got a coach, Gilbert, that sits there and he was away, up in the suite somewhere, what have you. Who did she go run into the second she won? She's got balance. She's got it all. She's got talent. She's got youth. She's got athleticism. She's got moxie. She overcomes adversity. And more importantly, she has balance because of her family. Major, major props to her. Also want to give props to the great Novak, Yoko, uh, Novak Jokovic uh, for paying tribute to Kobe Bryant after he captured his 24th Grand Slam title. Uh, wearing the Mamba shirt, obviously. Kobe Bryant wore number 24. Jokovic is that dude. So I hung up on that kid, Nelson. Bam! Ended that. Beat them all eight times they played one another. And the dude, Nelson's got a lot of potential, but going up against Jokovic is just too much for him. It's just that simple. So props to Jokovic, Novak Jokovic, because he is the best. He might be the best ever. I mean, he is something special. Make no mistake about that. Major, major props to him. Last but not least, before I go to break, I want to take a moment to remember uh, 9-11. You no, know, it was kind of sad this morning driving through the city, uh, knowing people were, you know, tributes were being paid to an abundance of people. Over 2,700 people were killed in the two towers um, from 9-11. I'll never forget as long as I live. I'm in Jersey and South Jersey, and I saw the building. I saw the first plane. And I don't think I've ever said this story publicly. I saw the first plane hit one of the towers. And the first thing I was thinking about, oh, please, 
I mean, damn pilots, man. You know, somebody probably drunk or something. I mean, man, this is ridiculous. That's how I was. And I was on the phone with a friend of mine. Her name was Kendra. And she she called me up and said, turn on the TV, CNN. I said, I'm already watching, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking. And as we're talking, second plane comes around. And I see a second plane coming nearby. And I said, whoa, what is that? And the plane was coming, and I saw the second plane crash into that second tower. And I said, she screamed. And then I said, never forget as long as I live. I said, oh, my God. We are under attack. That's exactly the words that came out of my mouth when that second plane ran into the tower. We are under attack. And it was devastating to lose all of those lives. It still is to this very day. 22 years later. But let me tell you something else too. It was also one of the rare times where there was no white America. There was no black America. There was no Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Native American, nothing. It was the United States of America. Because as a people, we didn't care about anything but us against them, whoever them were. It's the one time in my life that I've ever felt that way living in this country. Sorry, that had to be the case that provoked it. But nevertheless, that was an emotion that I still remember feeling to this very day. 888-SAS-5303 is the number of call of us. 888-727-5303. USA Basketball loses to Canada. Adesanya loses his UFC title. Vice President Kamala Harris gets roasted for some dance moves. And a whole bunch of people were giving Trump the finger. All that and more coming up. Don't touch that dial. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Reminder, you can now call into the show. If you have something to say, dial 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Um, I don't know if you missed it, or if you saw it, rather. Uh, you may have missed it. But uh, the performance of the United States during the FIBA World Cup, ladies and gentlemen, they lost to Canada. They lost to Canada. Um, 127-118 in the bronze medal game. That means the United States of America is walking home without any medals. With Steve Kerr as its coach, this team fell to Canada. Team Canada was led by Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. The same Dylan Brooks that couldn't do anything right in the first round of the playoffs against the Los Angeles Lakers. That brother dropped 39. 39 points. Okay? 
39, look at it. 12 or 18 shooting, 7 or 8 from 3, 39 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks of steal, and was named the tournament's best defensive player by FIBA. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no need to wonder why LeBron James, according to reports, has suddenly acknowledged he would like to participate in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. And he's planning on assembling a few stars to join him, mainly Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, etc. Scored in the Yahoo, you know, uh, Yahoo Sports right there. LeBron ain't having that. Now, it speaks to a bigger issue. And when you see something like what transpired, it gives credence to what Sprinter Noah Laws said just a few weeks ago when he rhetorically or sarcastically asked, world champion of what? You think I'm lying? Listen to this right here. This is him. This is Noah Lyles. Is that I have to watch the NBA Finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. at times. <laughs> but that ain't the world. You know, I got on him initially because, not to be a hypocrite, I did. I didn't think he knew what, the, knew what the hell he was talking about because I'm thinking about players from 40 different countries participating in the National Basketball Association. One of three players in the NBA um, are not from the United States. They're from all over the world, 40 different countries, six continents. And to me, that's how I viewed it. But what he was alluding to, that the act of Boris Kojo and others tipped me off to, is that they're talking about the level of competition. You're representing the United States. Somebody else is representing Australia. Somebody is representing Germany. Somebody is representing Canada. Somebody is representing all of these others. That's what they're talking about. And when it comes to that, that's the only, that's the only way that somebody should be considered a world champion. All right, that's a matter of opinion, but it makes sense, and I can't refute that. But here's the bottom line. He looks smarter today than he did a couple of weeks ago. Because when Dylan Brooks, who signed with the Houston Rockets this offseason, is starring for your team, dropping 39 points and being named the best defensive player to, uh, in a tournament, I mean, damn, that's enough to get LeBron James antennas up. And if you're talking about a dude next year that's going to be having just completed his 21st year in the National Basketball Association, and that brother going to be competing in an Olympic competition, and he balls out, which I know he will if he's healthy. I mean, that's about sending a message. This is the second straight FIBA World Cup the United States is left without a medal, you know. And we want to call ourselves the best in the world, but guess what? We haven't accomplished it. We're getting our ass kicked because other people are sending their best, and the best from this country doesn't want to go. And so when LeBron James says what he says, that's a beautiful thing because that's exactly what needed. Get Steph Curry, by the way. Get Kevin Durant, by the way. Get Klay Thompson, by the way. Get a Kyrie Irving, by the way. Yes, get Kyrie Irving to represent this country. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? The brother's a superstar caliber basketball player. Get him. Get him. These are the kind of things, you know, you, you, you got to get back 
to the dream team and the, the redeemed team, we got to bust people's ass. You got to show them like, yo, it's a different day. This ain't, it ain't like that. We, we, we still are who, who you thought we were. So that's just me. I'm really, really hoping that LeBron is serious and he means it and he recruits a whole bunch of cats to go and join him in Paris. Absolutely. I would love that. And Paris, from what I'm told, ain't a bad place to be. I'm quite sure if this was someplace that LeBron didn't want to be, I don't know if he would have made such a proclamation. But being in Paris, there are worse things to happen to you in life than to be stuck in Paris. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Last thing before I go to break and come back with your calls, um, I'm going to transition from basketball to the UFC. And a devastating defeat that occurred for Israel Adesanya middleweight champion at the hands of new champion, Mr. Sean Strickland. Um, Strickland beat him. No doubt about it. And Adesanya has always showed his class. But look at that. The new UFC middleweight champion, Sean Strickland, look at this, hit 137 of 259 strikes. Landed 62% of his headshots. One knockdown. First fight of the score knockdown versus Israel Adesanya. And obviously he won unanimous decision. 49-46 on all three judges' scorecards. Now, this is my personal uh, opinion. Dreykus Duplessis, the number one UFC middleweight contender, said he's not, not interested in fighting Adesanya anymore. And see, that's what I was afraid of. Duplessis, let me be very, very clear. That's who Adesanya wanted so badly. And because Duplessis had to back out of the fight, Adesanya gets into the ring against Strickland. The guy, he wasn't really looking for that fight. That's not the guy he really, really wanted so badly. Remember, Duplessis is South African. And remember, Duplessis, being a South African, is the one who said to Adesanya after a win, look, man, he said, I'm the real African here, as in South African, because they both, you know, South African heritage. Could you imagine? Well, obviously, I'm sorry. Adesanya, Nigerian. But could you imagine saying that to a black man? Particularly if you're a white dude from South Africa? Apartheid, apartheid, apartheid is flashing in your face. You want to bust his living ass. That's what you want to do. And that, too, Adesanya wanted. And because he signed on to fight him, but he had to back out of that fight due to an injury, and Strickland steps in, there's a level of motivation that just dis, that just dims and diminishes. There's no excuse because you're a professional and you're a champion. You got to be ready for anybody. But I'm just saying, it's a plausible explanation for what happened. Because he was supposed to destroy Sean Strickland. That is not what happened. It was damn near the other way around. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Back with your calls. Trump and Vice President Harris, and more in a minute. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Reminder, you can now call into the show. If you have something to say, dial 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. I'll get to the calls in just a second, but I just want to ask y'all, did y'all see what happened when former President Donald Trump made an appearance at the Iowa, at Iowa State-Iowa football game? Did you see what happened? If you didn't see what happened, I don't know why you didn't see it. I mean, we see everything else about him. How come you wouldn't see that? What do you see right there? Do you know what you see right there? 
you see people booing him and giving him the finger. Cyclone Flans flipped the bird over Trump. Hmm. And he's got his fans now. He's got his fan base now. Ain't no doubt about that. He's going to get some votes now. Leading by a mob for the Republican nomination. No question. But everybody ain't a fan. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Remember, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, entrepreneur of Vivek Ramaswamy, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson all made appearances at the game as well. So Trump wasn't the only politician who made waves this weekend. All right? But somebody else made waves for a different reason, and that would be Vice President Kamala Harris. She hosted a celebration of hip-hop's 50th anniversary at the White House, in case y'all didn't know. She tried to show off her dance moves uh, to some people. They were going off on trolling her and stuff like that. Talking about it didn't go well with some calling them granny moves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is the thing that bothers me, okay? First of all, I'm trying to figure out what is everybody's problem? What is everybody's problem? I'm trying to figure that out. Because I need to know. Because when I look at her, I'm looking at, first of all, she's not in her teens. She's 58 years old. How you wanted to dance? Like she Beyonce? She's the vice president of the United States. Could you be critical about something that's worthy of being critical about? When I got on her, because she giggles too damn much, what I was trying to say was that it's, it can be perceived as an evasive tactic. You trying to find time to answer a question, which could cost you with a constituency, particularly when you're a politician and you're looking for votes and you got somebody like Trump gaining steam. You don't want that. You've got people talking about Biden and he, you know, listen, the man going to be 82 at the time if he's voted as an incumbent to return to office. And they're saying, what about Kamala? What about Kamala? Now, Ariva Martin, a pundit for CNN and others, and, and, and along with other folks have said, no way in hell they're going to go for anybody, support, the Democratic Party supporting anybody other than Kamala Harris. But the reality of the situation is, yo, if it ain't Biden, the only Democrat that's really made any noise is Gavin Newsom. Whether he's debating Sean Hannity on national television or he's going state to state speaking out on behalf of liberals everywhere against the Republicans and making strong arguments, I might add. That's not what Kamala Harris has been accused of doing. And she's the vice president. And so for me, listen, there's a lot of things to get on her about, but our dancing moves, she's 58 years old. This ain't Howard no more. That was, that was 30 some odd years ago. First of all, some people can't dance worth a damn in their 20s. If she's standing in one place, like she's being schooled by Will Smith, a.k.a. Hitch, when he was schooling Kevin James, stay right here. Don't move. Don't spend none, none, all of this extra stuff. Nah, nah, stay right here. Yeah. What's wrong with that? There's a lot to get on Kamala Harris about. I'm sure a lot of the people, particularly whether you're an independent or you're a Republican, you can find a lot to get on her about. Hell, some of the progressives find a lot to get on her about. But this ain't one of them, y'all. Leave the lady alone. Leave the lady alone. 
She's the vice president of the United States. We don't get on her about something. Can we try? I mean, because let me tell you something. I didn't see Obama when he was dancing with Ellen DeGeneres looking that much better. It would be an honest. And I love my brother Barack Obama. But I'm just saying. Let's just be honest about it. Okay? Let's just be honest about it. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. To the calls we go. Let's go to Tyler in Tampa. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Tyler? How you doing, Stephen A.? I'm all right. Um, Talk to me. So quick question. I'm a Knicks fan, as, I'm sh- as I know you are. Um, my question is, who will be the next star to come to the Knicks via trade or free agency? Because you know they're preparing for it. They got the picks, the, you know, right? So who do you think they're going to get, brother man? Who do you think? I have no idea, but I would prefer if it were Damian Lillard. He doesn't want to come there as long as Randall, uh, you know, Julius Randall is there. And, of course, um, you know, you, you got uh, Brunson. But the thing about it is that he just feels like him and Brunson playing the same position, being undersized. That's the that's the deal with that. Uh, me personally, I hope it's Shana Santa de Uh, You know, he who knows if he's going to elect to leave Milwaukee after next season. We shall wait and see. But I would love for that to happen. Appreciate the call, man. Let's go to Muhammad in Toronto, Canada. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Muhammad? How are you? Good. How are you? All right. Talk to me. So my question is, when did you realize that you had to incorporate comedy into your reporting and TV persona? And was that something that came natural to you or something that you had to learn? You know what? It's just something that comes natural. I mean, it's not intentional even. You know how you can be talking to somebody and something makes you laugh and you think it'll make them laugh and you just are reactionary and stuff like that. I'm I'm not a comedian. A lot of people call me funny all the time, but I don't view myself that way. I'm just naturally me. I am who I am. And I make sure that I'm consistent on that level with it and just give you, I feel like if I'm doing a show like this, I owe you to give you my true authentic personality. And my my authentic personality, I find to be versatile. I can be very serious. I can be melancholy. I can be sad. I can be ecstatic and happy. I could be, uh, a, you know, a, a mean SOB if you rub me the wrong way. And I can be the nicest person on the planet. If you rub me that way, that's just the way that I am. And I just try to be true and authentic with my emotions. All right. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. TJ in Atlanta. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, TJ? Stephen A. Talk to me, bro. I know I know you remember me. Hey, look, I just want to ask you about, you you see, you see, you see how you did those numbers with uh, Shannon Sharp? Did about 700,000, you know? And then you got another hitter. You got Pat Ashley coming. What you think about that? I'm sorry, I didn't understand your second question. I know you said I heard you say Shannon Sharp with the 727 viewers for day one, which was yeah. Labor Day. But then you asked me and then you uh, got, about and then you Pat. Got another hitter on another hitter on Tuesday, Pat McAfee. Well, Tell listen, Pat McAfee, that. Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee is going to be a part of the Tuesday show. The lineup is simple: it's me and and Shannon and Sharp. He's going to be sitting with me the whole two hours on Mondays. Uh, Dan Olavsky would join us one hour. Ryan Clark would join us the next. On Tuesdays, it would be me and Shannon Sharp again. Pat McAfee would join us for a segment or two. Paul Feinbaum may join from time to time. Wednesday's going to be me and Mad Dog Russo. Looking forward to Jeff Saturday, uh, you know, before he took the Indianapolis job with the Colts last yeah. year. Uh, he was with uh-huh. us. Thursday's going to be Olavsky. 
uh, Dan Orlovsky with his own day. And we'll have a few people as well. I love Chris Canty. I'm looking forward to bringing him on the show. Bart Scott can be a contributor to the show. Let me not forget Kimberly Martin, who comes on during the NFL season, doing an outstanding job for us. So that list goes. And then on Fridays, Ryan Clark. And I'm hoping to get his boys from The Pivot to join me as well, because I got a lot of love. Uh, for for Crowder and for Fair Taylor as well. So one, one, one more thing, I think, I think, I think everybody want to know: Is Shannon Stark going to be on for the NBA season? Or- no. Or just NFL? No, just NFL. He's going to be Monday and Tuesdays. He's got Club Shay Shay, which is very important to him, which he owns and operates now. Um, and once the NFL season's over, obviously that's something that's very important to him that he wants to focus on. And plus, I got my NBA lineup. Uh, Mad Dog Russo's still going to be there. J.J. Reddick's going to be there. Kendrick Perkins is going to be there. Monica McNutt is going to be there. Plus, I'm adding a few people, in it, but I won't make that announcement as of yet. It'll be a surprise. But I'm adding a couple of people for the NBA season as well. Oh, yeah. That's a dream team. You know what I'm talking about? I got you. I appreciate the call, man. Bill in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Bill? Hey, Stephen A. I'm a professional race car driver, but I want to stop in and talk to you about primetime and uh, what the impact is, not just to the football team. Obviously, see a 2-0. It's just two games. But what the whole family and he has done for the community, hiring him is straight up economic development. And I think it's going to also lead to reverse hiring inequalities, recruiting inequalities, and uh, someone better sign that man, Ed Reed, because I think he he might not be able to do exactly the same of, of Prime, but I think he's well, well, not well, too far well, behind. Let me, well, let me say, Bill, first of all, I'm a fan of Ed Reed as a person, and obviously he was a sensational Hall of Fame player. What I would yeah. tell you is that when he got hired by an HBCU and he was so outspoken about the facilities and what was the, what, 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 you know, what he was deprived of. That was a big deal. And see, sometimes we all talk about, we talk a lot of stuff, right? It's Bethune Cookman. If I remember correctly, we talk a lot of stuff and this is what we have to understand. You, when somebody hires you, you're an extension of them by representation and association. All truths are not made to be told. That doesn't mean you go to you or anybody else and lie. I don't lie about Disney or ESPN or anybody else. But what I won't do is tell you all our business either. If I have a conversation with executives, that's between me and them. If I have a conversation between my colleagues and my teammates, that's between them and I. It's not for everybody to know. And it's not insulting you by not telling you something that you're not, you're not supposed to be privy to. And so what happens is, is that when you do that, other people come along and they say there's a level of trust that we may not have in you because you're a wild card. Because the second you get upset and displeased, you're going to go and blabber it out to everybody else. And that's going to put us in a compromise, a position that we may not want that. A lot of times you see people coming at me. Right, Bill? And they'll say, yeah, you know what? He's selling out. I mean, he's a company man or whatever the case would be. And my point is. Why the hell wouldn't you be a company man if you're working for the company? Because if you're not, what you're doing is you're saying you can't be trusted. Now, I can go up to the honchos all the way up to Burbank, California, by the way. I can go upstairs and complain about a lot of things. But one of the reasons that they could sit down and have a conversation with me, okay, is because they trust that I'm not going to go out in public and sing like a bird our personal inside business. Because when you do that, Not only do you inhibit your ability to grow in a professional realm because you've sent the message that you can't be trusted, what you've done is you've turned around 
And you've encouraged others to possibly go that route, knowing good and damn well there's no way in hell they can get away with it. And see, this is why I despise. There's a there's a couple of people in this business. No, it's not Dan Lebertard. That's my brother. I love him. But there's a couple of people who will remain nameless. I don't give them the time of day. I don't talk about them, but I can't stand their bastard asses. I can't stand them. They're sorry, no good bastards that I never talked to in life because they're the kind of people, A, they lie all the time. And B, they do it for public consumption so the public can side with them, knowing that they're giving off the impression that that's the way to go about handling things, sending you down a dead end road. I'm not selling out. I'm looking out. I'm showing you a path towards prosperity, because if you go down this route, you might get your 10 or 15 seconds or even minutes of fame where you looking good and everybody's patting you on the back and you sticking out your chest like you did something right. But the second it subsides, your ass can't be trusted and you've let everybody know it. And now what you aspired for is no longer obtainable because you showed a flaw in your character. But they're not telling you that. And what I'm saying is I'm telling you that because I made it. And because I've made it and I've been fortunate and blessed enough by God to be in this position where I can disseminate a message to everybody, I'm saying, yo, I'm trying to look out. I'm telling you, you can't do that and prosper. It won't work. They'll get you. If not sooner, a little later, but they'll get you. That's what I'm saying. You feel me? Yeah. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Yuli, in Brookline, you're live with Stephen A. Talk to me. So, Deion Sanders has started off successfully at Colorado. Are there any other former athletes you would like to see get into the coaching realm for football or basketball? Me personally, I think that Eddie George at Tennessee State, I'd like to see what he continues to do. Um, I'd like to give him an opportunity to see what what he brings to the table. Um, I, I look at him from that standpoint. And obviously, when you know when you think about basketball, there's plenty of players. I mean, I think about Jerry Stackhouse, who was down at Vanderbilt. I think about Chauncey Billups in the NBA right now. I hate the fact that he's the coach of the Blazers. I saw him at the, Deion, at the game in Colorado this past weekend. Chauncey Billups and I have been friends for a long time. And I tell him all the time, I can't stand the fact that he is the coach there. I wanted him to be a president of basketball operations because I know how intelligent he is about the game of basketball and how he can build a program. Coaching, yeah, you can reach youngsters and they can obviously galvanize themselves around you because you're giving them the guidance and tutelage necessary. But there's always an executive or two or even an owner that might be in your way. When you're the president of basketball operations, it's a lot harder for people to get in your way. And that's why I wanted Chauncey Billups in that in, in that situation. But there are others. Sam Mitchell, who's on NBA radio. He was a former coach of the year in Toronto. I think he would make a hell of a coach, um, obviously. So Lindsey Hunter, who used to play in Detroit and is trying to do some things. I'd love to see him there. Sam Cassell, an assistant coach in Philly, now in Boston. I would love to see him get a head coaching opportunity. There's plenty of dudes that I think will resonate and resonate in a very profound fashion. And I sincerely hope that they get those opportunities. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Vaughn, you're in San Francisco, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Vaughn? How are you? Good. How are you, Stephen A.? I just wanted to ask a quick question about how you think the Chiefs are going to do this season. Your brother from another mother, uh, Travis Kelsey, is out, yeah, and I'm a huge Chiefs mother. fan. I'm a little worried. Well, you should be a little worried because you ain't got a snowball's chance in hell of doing anything without Travis Kelsey. You don't have receivers that can catch the ball. 
And I like Gray and Bell from the tight end spot subbing for Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, subbing for Travis Kelsey, but that's not going to be enough. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, the bottom line is this. You don't longer have Eric Bieniemy there helping Andy Reid call plays. So that's a that's a hindrance. And then Travis Kelsey being out, even though he's not expected to be out long. So I look at it from that perspective and I say, you know something? You need some help. And look at how loaded the AFC is. I think Kansas City would unquestionably make the playoffs. I think that would definitely happen. But I also look at them and I say Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, Miami, New York, Buffalo, Jacksonville, um, Tennessee, even though they just lost. I just think the road to prosperity is much, much harder. And unless they get Travis Kelsey back and an, an additional weapon at the wideout spot who can really be, real, a re, be a reliable ball catcher, I think that's what's required. That's just my personal opinion. Last, yeah. co- I right. pre- go ahead, man. Look, go ahead, make your point real quick. Go ahead, buddy. And, 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 and one last thing, two, one one last. Do you think Cardarius Tony can be a wide receiver one? And number two, Stephen A. Can we please have the Dallas Cowboys lose next week? It kills my week this week. Please, man. Dallas Cowboys ain't gonna do a damn thing. Don't worry about them. <laughs> they won't let you down. They'll mess up when it's time. Trust me on that. Last call, Sylvester in Denver. You're live with Stephen A. What's up? What's up, Sylvester? How you doing? Hey, how you doing there, Stephen A? Love the content of the show. Thank you, bro. Go ahead. Big, big, big ups to the Buffaloes here. My question for you is, what do you think would be the biggest surprise to come out of this NFL season? Mm, good question. Um, you know what? I think the Detroit Lions are a team to be reckoned with. Even though it was against the Chicago Bears after watching Jordan Love in Green Bay yesterday, because, you l- listen, Aaron Jones, Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and those boys, that defense is still there. That offensive line is still there. I can't ignore that. Um, We can't sleep on the Saints because they got a defense. And Derek Carr, he ain't Drew Brees, but he's a decent quarterback. I would tell you that Detroit is the the team that I would pick as the surprise. But I'd keep my eyes on Jacksonville because I love the chemistry that appears to exist between Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. I love the chemistry that appears to exist between them. So we shall see. All right? Take it easy, my man. Thank you so much. Take it easy. Thanks. That's it for today's show. Thank you all for coming out, listening to the show, watching the show, et cetera. You know I appreciate you. We're over 300,000 subscribers, and we're climbing. So thanks for watching another episode. You can watch me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over the digital airwaves of YouTube. This podcast continues to grow, as I just finished saying. Recently hit over 300,000 subscribers. So thank you all for the support. Appreciate it. Please keep it coming. Remember also, if you like the show, to keep liking it and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified for all of our new content. And by the way, I've had a best-selling book out, New York Times best-selling book. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes has been on shelves since January. It's been selling big time. It's what's made me a New York Times bestseller, and I'm really appreciative of all the support you guys have given me. I got to get on out of here, but I'll be back on Wednesday. Don't you worry about that, all right? So until then, this is Stephen A. signing off. Peace and love, everybody. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.